0: On radio, streaming live on investtalk.com, and for our podcast subscribers, this is InvestTalk, above average investing for the average investor. InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. And now, KPP Financial President, Financial Advisor, Steve Peasley. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99CHART, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the
1: next Invest Talk. Welcome to Invest Talk, above average investing for the average investor. We try to bring you useful information and answer any questions you might have, as long as they're financial. Hey,
2: Justin and Steve, this is Harry in Colorado. I love y'all's program. I had a question because I'm just recently diving into the stock market and investing and building my portfolio. I was wondering, I've just been putting a little bit of money into a couple of things just to figure out how the game works. Not that it's a game, but figure out how everything works, ups and downs. I am doing my own self-investing with one of the smart apps called Stash, just so I can learn about everything. And I think I'm to the point where I'd like to go ahead and put something a little larger than a hundred dollars or something like that into something. I've been looking at Tesla, doing a bunch of research and it seems pretty intriguing and pretty safe. My goal is just financial stability for the future for myself and my son. And just kind of want it to sit there and work for me. While I keep up with everything, and I'm not sure if I'm ready to go ahead and do that or if that's the right choice, I know that it's popular in the news and all of these things and to stay away from trends and really do my research. So I was just looking for any input on what I should use as my first bigger investment. Thank you guys so much and appreciate all you do. Bye-bye.
3: All right. Well, congratulations on just getting started. I think that, uh, is, uh should be uh, applauded, no matter how much you have invested. So the first uh, step is always just to get started. And you've put some some put money to work doesn't sound like a lot. And uh, but should you take a bigger step, I think is your big question, then what direction should it should it, should it go in? Uh, now you mentioned Tesla. Uh, but my issue with that is that you you refer to tesla as relatively safe and i would say that's the exact opposite um it's a very very volatile very very risky stock so um and remember volatility is both upside and downside um so this is a name that has had big rallies and and big sell-offs so this is not a name that i i would be investing in especially at these prices Um, But definitely not if you are looking for something that's relatively safe. Uh -uh, That's not where you want to be. So the fact that you said that makes me say you need to take a step back. You aren't in the place to make a big move yet. You're still in the learning phase. Uh, What you need to do is start to understand various industries, uh, various uh, types of asset classes, uh, understand what moves each type of industry and asset class, interest rates, the economy, uh, etc., And then you can start to understand the bigger picture from the top down approach. And then you look at different companies and find the best ones within a particular industry that you want to invest in. And like you said, staying away from fads is very important. And right now there are a lot of people that have been investing in fads uh, in regards to AI and cloud computing and and, and and all of these things that are supposed to disrupt the major economies uh, in different industries. And, and those stocks have been valued dramatically high. And now those valuations are coming undone uh, and back down to at least some semblance of reality. And that's the hallmark of a hot sector. That is becoming no longer hot, and the main reason is because of the threat, at least, of liquidity drying up, uh, and, and a lot of that liquidity has been flowing to those big growthier names. And so you're seeing you're seeing what type of risks you can walk into when you aren't paying enough attention, when you don't have the requisite um, perspective and experience, and so. I think you need to just take this next probably 6, 9, 12 months and continue to learn. There's a book section on our site. Keep listening to, to, to podcasts, reading articles, and look at every industry, not just the interesting industries, not just the tech industry, because that's what most people are focusing on because of recent gains, because it's an interesting s- sector. But that's not the sector that's going to be the best performer this decade. I can almost guarantee it. And so... You need to take a step back, applaud yourself for starting to save, starting to invest, but don't take any big steps. Continue to learn until you understand the full picture, the pros and the cons, and know what is a relatively safe investment. And when you understand that Tesla is not that, I think you'll have a big step forward in your advancement in making good decisions for yourself. So hope that gave you some solid perspective and a uh, good direction.
1: You can call right now and be part of the program. Let's hear about what your talking point is. 888-99-CHART 888-992-4278 and you can get through right now.
4: The Invest Talk Voice Bank never closes. I
5: Have a question for you about Amazon.
4: So your questions keep coming. I have a question about PE ratios. And that's okay because Steve Peasley and Justin Klein specialize in unbiased guidance.
1: If I'm looking at a dividend company, I'm looking for consistency of earnings and dividends. Your standard daily
3: chart typically goes back one year.
4: No question is too simple. I
1: wanted to ask about Teladoc.
4: And each question is an important part of the podcast.
3: My wife has a
0: roller over 401k from a previous employer. I was curious if this is
4: eligible to be used to do a backdoor Roth. Steve and Justin are fearless.
3: That's fairly inexpensive for this kind of explosive growth. The problem here is that you're picking a leveraged ETF.
4: Tell your friends and family members about Talk. You've been instrumental in my understanding how this market works. Don't forget to call Invest 888-99-CHART.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments though, eight 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 ninety-nine chart, eight 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 ninety-nine CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
4: Good afternoon. I had a question about investing in penny stocks. I know you guys advise against it, but I am relatively risk
5: tolerant and am just sort of interested in the concept that you can only lose one hundred percent, but you can gain an infinite amount in theory and just thought about rolling the dice. My question is, if you were to give advice as far as checking out penny stocks, pink sheets, OTC, whatever, what sectors should you go for or avoid? And considering
0: tax ramifications and the fact that there is a basically a commission of about
5: $5 on the buy and sale, what other advice might you have when it comes to making this gamble? Thanks a bunch. Bye bye.
1: My advice is not to do it. Yeah, your risk is one hundred percent of your invested dollars. But how many times are you going to do risk that? Hundred times, one hundred percent lost. by a hundred times you tried. See, it's so rare that they succeed that it's impossible. Usually, it's a penny stock for a reason. I mean, not usually, almost every time. Uh, and you, you just you, there's no way you're going to make money at it. There's See, I've been doing this so long, I'm telling you, you're not going to make money yet. Does it ever succeed? Someone will always ask me, well, I saw it, and this guy went up from $0.10 a share to $3. Yeah, it could do that. And then it goes right back down to $0.10 a share, usually after the the insiders are sold to you, because whoever bought it last is the one to get stuck with it. Now, I, I have no advice for you how, when, how to do it, when to do it. No, you don't do it. That's my advice. That's it. There is no, you know, this is a sector you should be in. No, nothing like that. It's a penny stock. could be anything. And it's usually just a story. That's not usually real. Okay, so my advice.
0: Got a question for Steve or Justin? You're the best person to ask it at 888-99-CHART. Now's the best time.
5: Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Alan from Hayward, California. love the show. My question is, I keep hearing and reading about insiders that exercise stock options, that it could be a bad thing for shareholders. Why is that? Also, are these the same options as call options and put options? I'm really confused on this. Thanks. I uh, love the show. Bye.
3: Well, the reason it's bad is because when you exercise an, an option as a as an insider, those shares are, are now being created and they could be sold. Whereas if they're, they're stock options, then you're not exactly um, – they're not out there. They're not out there to be traded. Uh, they're just kind of held on a personal balance sheet. When you exercise and suddenly now they are in an account uh, and, and could be sold and, and now those are – now uh, shares in existence as well. So diluting overall shareholders. Now, is that the same as call options? Yes, I would say it, it, it's it's very similar. Uh, buying or selling call options is not going to change the overall number of shares outstanding because you don't have that that uh, ability as an individual. But y- y- the the mechanism, the overall mechanism of uh, basically having the ability to exercise uh, the option to purchase the shares at a certain price, on, uh, expire on a certain date. Yes, that is pretty much the same. Um, but it, it's a bit different when you're an insider, you're awarded those stock options, typically at a very, very low price. Uh, and then you go out there and you have a lot of incentive to, to lock that in. Uh, look at Elon did right. Elon, once you uh, exercise those options and they expire at a certain time, then you need to pay uh, income tax. And a lot of times, paying income tax, you sell those sell those shares that weren't out there in the marketplace uh, before. And so, um, yeah, that's uh, that's really the, the the big difference. And uh, it's not uncommon uh, for those insiders to go and sell shares of stock options that they exercise. And, and that's why. I think people overrate the insider selling uh, because you don't really understand the insider's personal balance sheet, what they might be doing with that money. Are they just simply diversifying how much of their net worth is tied up in that company itself? And maybe it's just a good idea, a smart idea to diversify a bit. Um, so uh, hopefully that unpacked that question for you and gave you proper answer.
2: Good morning. My name's Anne. I just have a dumb question what do you think about cryptocurrency? Is it a good time to buy? Or it's going to start a downtrend? If it's a good time to buy, which one to buy? Is it Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solano, or GPTC, Coinbase, right blockchain or anything? Thank you so much. Appreciate.
3: Well, this is a question I've been getting a lot over the past few years. And uh, I'll just echo my sentiments over the past couple of weeks is that, uh, no, this is not a good time uh, to buy. I actually think we are in the, the bust phase of kind of this the, this tech bubble 2.0, crypto bubble. Um, I, I think we're, we're we're in the bust phase. You see that with many of the names, the Pelotons of the world, the Zooms of the world, the down, DocuSign, just really getting crushed. Now, a lot of them are still up. Uh, If you go back a few years, uh, but that probably just means there's more downside to come. Because what happens is when you start to get momentum to the downside, you get a lot of weak hands. That means selling begets selling. Remember, most of these assets, whether that's crypto, whether that's uh, story, tech stocks, they are being bought simply because price is moving up. The vast majority of people don't understand the businesses, don't understand the value. And when I say value, what I mean, when I say that, I mean, what are you getting out of it? What What is the use case for these things? And while there are use cases being developed for crypto and, and blockchain, it, the, the value in the space, meaning the total aggregate value of all of these coins, far exceeds any actual use case value that people are getting today, or will likely get in the future, in the medium-term future. The long-term, just like with the tech space, two decades for a lot of these tech companies from 2000 to get back to where they were trading back then. And so the valuations were and still are in most cases so out of whack that there's still plenty of downside to come. And so that's my general thesis right now is that the liquidity that's being pulled out of the market by the Fed, which granted, they're not doing it in a dramatic fashion. It's very minor so far, but you can see the outsized impact it's had on these high value, high multiple assets. I think there's plenty of downside. I think you're going to see the teens in 2020 for Bitcoin and we're going into uh the bust phase and that's why i would definitely not be buying right now keep an eye on it it still has long-term potential but all those weak hands talk about hodling they're not going to hold on the way down so that's what you're seeing now and selling will be good selling
1: you're listening to invest talk everybody i'm steve Peasley. we want to answer your questions our listener line number is always ready for you 888-99-CHART beginning our experience we're here to answer your questions
0: To an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments though, eight 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 ninety nine 99 chart 888 99 chart and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
5: Hello, this is Bill from Atlanta, and I wanted to thank you for your podcast. Today I have a question concerning I bonds. I was looking for some type of stable investment to put some cash in rather than just keeping it in a low interest-bearing savings account. In the past, I would put it in a CD. However, CDs aren't paying anything these days, and during my search, I came across
4: iBonds on the treasury.gov website. I don't know much about all about bonds and nothing about I bonds. I saw on the treasury.gov
5: website that it states I bonds are paying 7.12% for the first six months, and then after the, that the returns are somehow calculated off the current inflation rate. This caught my attention and
4: wanted to ask if I'm reading this correctly. The only thing that jumps out at me is it says you're limited to
5: $10,000 investment per year. Again, any knowledge you can give to me concerning what I-bonds actually are and how they work is greatly appreciated. Thanks, and I look forward to your next podcast. All right. Well,
3: uh, this is a a more common question uh, these days, especially as now I-bonds are yielding uh, a decent amount because inflation is going up. And that's what I-bonds do. Uh, They calculate twice a year based on the inflation rate and what the yields are going to be. Now, there is a, a, a previous episode. If you want to head over to our website and just uh, and browse and, and find uh, the, the show sometime in the last six months, I believe we had one uh, really focusing on this in depth. Uh, but one thing uh, you should definitely understand, like you said, $10,000 uh, is it the most you can invest uh, each year, as well as that yield resets. And so while it might look like a high yield today... If inflation moderates, goes back to 1% or so, then you are also going to ride that yield down as well. So um, there's nothing wrong with having this as a part of your portfolio. Understand it's also not nearly as liquid. Um, You have to hold them for at least 12 months. And I believe if you don't hold them for uh, five years total, uh, there's penalties and things like that. So uh, there's a lot more details, like I said, that we, we we discussed in a previous podcast. I would go look for that on iTunes or wherever you're looking uh, for, for your, our show. Um, but definitely interesting to have as part of a portfolio, but understand the pros and the cons. If you just go to treasurydirect.gov, um, there are some uh, g- great, really simple information there. Uh, and that's going to really tell you everything you need to know. So um, I hope that, that helps in some way and i think everyone should be looking into this as maybe a part of their overall portfolio but it has to be right for the right person
4: each day invest talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email and steve and justin thank you for your loyalty would you like your question to be put near the top of the list just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes, and be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Your rating is a vote of confidence that leads to higher visibility and causes more people to discover and listen to Invest Talk. So please tell your friends and family members about the free Invest Talk downloads at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Remember to include your brief question when you review and rate on iTunes. And of course, your calls are always welcome 24-7. Don't forget to call Investalk 888-99-CHART.
1: Okay, let's talk to Mark in the Bay Area. How you doing, Mark?
5: Uh, hi thank you very much thanks for taking my call the uh, dumb question when you were talking about uh, khc and um, dividend where where is it the best place to hold the dividend paying stock is it in uh, like a taxable account or is
0: it in a in a non-taxable account and ira account you know what i mean yes
1: i do that's a good question mark so Investing in the market, you know, you may have a personal account that's taxable and you may have an IRA or a Roth IRA that's not taxable. So he's asking, you know, if I buy and stocks to pay dividends, would it be smarter to have it in a non-taxable account or a taxable account? And I answer that question this way. If you're going to be a trader or if you're going to be active, you want to make sure you have your active account in the non-taxable account, okay, because you don't want to pay capital gains taxes. You're trying to avoid capital gains. That's a, I'm assuming you're going to have capital gains. You buy stocks low and sell them high, you'll probably have capital gains. Or so if you hold on to them for a long period of time, they appreciate you'll have capital gains. So when it comes to dividends, I, you know, it'd be nicer to have it in a non-taxable account. But generally, when you have dividend-paying stocks, those are the big blue-chip stocks that you hold on for a very long time. So you're not trading them usually because they pay really high dividends and you want to hold them for a dividend. So uh, if if you have, if your mentality is I'm going to hold no matter what account, I'm going to hold on things for long periods of time, then you would put the dividend payers in your non-taxable accounts. If you have a portion of your portfolio that you're going to, like blue chip stocks, I'm going to leave alone, and then these stocks, you know, I may trade out of them, I may trade in them. That trading account should be in your non-taxable account. So, non-trading account would be preferable, if you're going to have both, would be preferable in your taxable account. Hope that made sense to you. So, it really depends on you. If you have two sets of ways you're going to do things, and a lot of people do. These are stocks I'm not going to touch. These are my big blue chimps, stocks I'm going to hold on to and collect the dividends, and over time they'll go up. But here's my more risky kind of stocks. Well, the more risky you put in the non-taxable account to avoid capital gains. Because if they're risky, they can shoot up and you have huge capital gains if you sell them. Well, you want to avoid the capital gains tax if you can. Okay? You can call right now and be part of the program. Let's hear about what your talking point is. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278, and you can get through right now.
3: InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com slash today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution.
0: you're listening to an encore presentation of invest talk please call with your questions and comments though 888-99-CHART 888-99-CHART and steve will answer them on the next invest talk
2: hi my name is katie i'm new to investing i've been doing it since august and my question is when do i know the right time to take profits I would appreciate any advice on guidelines or principles. I should follow as far as when to sell because I do want to keep all the gains and I want the potential gains and I also don't want to lose what I have. So thank you.
3: Well, this is the age old question. The most difficult question most investors have. Buying is easy. Selling is the hard part. And the reason it's hard for most people is because they don't have a plan. So first is when you buy a name, you need to have a target price, an idea of what you think the company is worth. And then you need to be monitoring the company and seeing if changes in their business, changes in the underlying economy are changing your potential valuation, not just because the stock moved higher or lower, but because there's actually changes in the business. Okay. So that's first is, having a target price and then updating that product price regularly. And when it gets to that price, you need to have the discipline to rebalance. Maybe bring if you're up on it, bring it back down to a reasonable percentage of your portfolio, a, a, a target level. And that goes back to the second thing, which is asset allocation. You need to have a plan for your portfolio. You need to know, I want to have x amount in this sector. x amount in that sector because of some underlying economic conditions. For example, if you think the economy is going to get stronger, remain strong, you're going to be want be want to be invested in more cyclical names. You need to have exposure to more cyclical parts of the market, industrials, financials, consumer s- cyclicals, commodities. If you are unsure about the the economy, you think it's going to slow. Well, then you want to be in REITs and utilities, uh, maybe more medical companies, things like that. And you need to understand a broad asset allocation and strategy and implement. So when it goes to selling, you have to don't look at it in and of itself always, but also the bigger picture. So you have to look at it from two perspectives, your broad asset allocation, and then your target value and goal for that particular stock.
0: My name is Ron, calling from Campbell, California. enjoy your program. I have quite a bit of experience with covered calls.
5: However, I find the uh, safe stocks that I have usually have uh, very low income potential from the covered call. Just wondering if there's a resource
0: that, where I could find a list of more lucrative calls. Thanks.
1: A covered call strategy is where you own the stock, the underlying stock, and you sell options on it. It's called covered calls because you own the stock. You can do naked calls, meaning you don't own the stock, underlying stock, but it's a whole different thing. Uh, Covered call strategy. You're asking if there's better places so you can have better spreads and get better pricing for the covered calls, and the answer is not really. Uh, You know, if, if you're... A professional like us, you will get a little bit better quotes, okay, for the covered call strategy, selling the calls. But, you know, there's no real – if you have a ton of money, you can call up your broker and say, hey, I want some better access. And, you know, as long as you – because it takes money. It takes money because it's got to be worth their while. Us individuals, small people – they don't really want to be bothered with you. They don't make enough money on us.
5: Uh, Hello, talk. my name's Enrique from San Diego. My question is, if I give my two weeks notice at my job and I have a Roth 401k at at my current job right now, but it should take me about two to three months, possibly max six months to find another job similar to the one I currently have, should I roll over my 401k to my Roth IRA or just leave it hanging there till I find a new job and roll it over to that 401k there. I look forward to your answer on the podcast. Thank you very much.
1: I would, if I was given those two choices, I'd roll it over into my Roth IRA. I wouldn't roll it into the new uh, Roth 401k. First of all, you don't know if your new employer will offer a Roth 401k or even a 401k. You're not sure. You don't know. They, they don't have to, you know. It's not a, it's not a must. It's a benefit that they can offer. Uh, but I'd rather see you have the money in your Roth IRA. Roll it into that because you have a lot more freedom to do what you want with the money. You can invest it any way you want. You know, you can hire someone like me or not. And you can buy anything. You're not stuck with uh, many times those those 401ks are li- limit you to your choices. Some of them don't <laughs> because some of them you can open up a... Uh, uh, managed account inside the, the 401k. Depends on how the employer sets up these things. It's not too common, but we I do it for my employees. So that's what I would do. I'd roll it into the Roth IRA, and then you could pick whatever you want. You don't have to worry about whether they're going to offer one at your new job or how long it takes to get the new job. Appreciate the call. Good question.
0: Our Invest Talk mission is to help you make better investing decisions to do that on your own thumbs up or thumbs down choices based on good solid investing principles but we need your questions to keep us on track 888-99-CHART or click on contact steve or contact justin on investtalk.com
3: now let's go back to the Invest talk voice Bank for a question that
5: came in earlier at 888-99-CHART hi justin and steve this is matt from miami florida I just had a question regarding Ethereum, one of the cryptocurrencies that is currently on the market. I would like to make my portfolio about 5% cryptocurrency, and I was just thinking about doing a little dollar cost averaging of Ethereum,
4: where I put about $50 to $100 in per week. I just was curious, as this is one of the more up-and-coming currencies, and I think it will overtake Bitcoin likely on
3: the market in the next year or so. Let me know what your some of your thoughts are, and thank you very much for what you guys do. Have a great day. Dollar cost averaging is probably a good way to get into this space because there's going to be a lot of volatility, and you consistently buying into it, uh, whether it's up or down, uh, is going to weed out a lot of the emotions. Now, the question is whether Ethereum is the best one to get into. I do think there are a lot of uh, good applications built on top of it. But remember, this is the very early days and there are uh, other competitors, Solana, for example, a lot of other cryptocurrencies out there, a lot of other platforms out there that may overtake Ethereum, depending on what type of applications are built on top of, um, on top of it. Um, So, we're also headed into once again a year of twenty twenty that's likely to have lower liquidity, higher inflation, uh, but or, or sorry, elevated inflation, uh, but liquidity conditions that are not nearly as loose. And I think crypto is going to be one of the first places to sell off big time. And then you probably say, Oh, well, the, the market sold off uh and you haven't seen a big drop in the cryptocurrencies. Well, Ethereum's down three percent today. So, you know, this is a very difficult sector to really predict uh, what's going to be the next up and comer, which one's going to be the next one to crash. Um, and we're decades away from really understanding what this whole space is going to look like. You're in the very, very early days. And so if it's 5% of your portfolio, I think it's a little heavy uh, on the crypto side. I probably have it closer to 2 or 3%. But if you're looking to dollar cost average in, uh, I think that's a good strategy within this space.
1: When people take time to to time out of their busy day and leave a Invest Dog podcast review on iTunes, we'd like to thank them with a quick courtesy answer to a question they may have. So here's a question from iTunes reviewers, Randall 1951. I'm using the dividend dividend kings as a guide to buying a good dividend stocks. I don't have a lot of free time to research. Is this a good approach? Why or why not? There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I like Dividend Achievers better than Dividend Kings. Dividend Achievers gives you a lot more information and a very easy, quick way to review. And they give you different dividend stocks over different periods of time. They give you dividend stocks. I've always increased our dividends every year for the last 10, 20, 30, 50 years. Our dividend stocks have always paid a dividend. And, you know, on and on and on. And I like it because it's more in-depth and more thorough. So it's called Dividend Achievers. They come out with a book every couple of years, I think. You know, but I, I would suggest take a look at that. Okay? Good. Thank you for the question.
4: This is Invest Talk. You can get your free Invest Talk podcast downloads anytime at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or investtalk.com. I am a big fan of your podcast and I just got started with it. Be sure to tell your friends and family members about Invest Talk and encourage them to listen, rate, and review. The Anytime listener lines never close. Steve and Justin are waiting for your questions. 888-99 chart.
5: Hey, Steve or Justin. This is Bob from Ohio. What's the best way to gain exposure to the downside of the market without physically shorting the stock? Would you recommend like selling calls or would you recommend buying puts or buying an inverse ETF? What do you recommend? I'm a fairly new investor, so I appreciate it. Your show's great. I listen to it every day. Thank you very much.
3: Well, if you are looking to capture the downside of the market and you're a fairly new investor, I think the simplest way is to buy a single levered, not the levered uh, inverse ETFs, but the single levered uh, ETFs where uh, you're just going to get the inverse of whatever the market is going to do. So if the market's going to go down, then this is going to go up. And there are, there are ones tracking the S&P and the NASDAQ and the Russell and, and many other, the, of the large indices. So that's what I would go with uh, options as a beginning investor Uh too, too risky, you really have to understand the ins and outs for you to be successful. Um, if you were to do it, it'd be probably buying just straight up puts. I wouldn't sell calls, especially in this market with gamma squeezes and all that. Uh, but but buying a put and limiting your risk would, would probably be the next best thing. But as a new investor, that's probably not the way that you should go.
5: Hi, Stephen. Justin, Steve Oger calling from New Hampshire, football as well. Just a real quick question for you. I am investing currently in my 401k with the Roth component as well as individual Roth IRA. Starting on me now, what happens to my contribution amount if I'm contributing the max in my regular, I guess, individual Roth IRA, but also contributing in my 401k? Would imagine it would be separate, but I just want to confirm that I'm not doing something I shouldn't. I really appreciate the um, information. I'll look forward to the answer on the podcast. Thanks.
3: Yes, they are separate. The Roth 401k is uh, similar to the traditional 401k when it comes to limits, and then your IRA, whether it's a Roth or traditional, is is also separate. So now your your Roth is going to have some contribution limits, uh, or sorry, some yeah, obviously contribution limits, but. Income limits, excuse me, uh, where it's phased out on your ability to uh, contribute to the Roth IRA, but uh, that's something that you you have to consider. And obviously, I don't know your uh, your income limits. Something to talk to your CPA about. Remember, with all of these contributions to retirement accounts, it's always in context to your own personal situation, your tax situation, and you always want to consult with a tax professional because your situation is is siloed. Nobody has your exact. Situation when it comes to income, place your living demands, etc., and goals. Okay, so thanks for the call and great question. Let's go to Carl in the Oceanside and let to talk about i bonds.
5: Yes, i bonds. The day I spoke with the banker and he told me there's something new about the i bonds. Okay, he said if I invest five thousand dollar in such an i bond certificate that pays seven point one two percent interest to me that is um, very high interest and then he said if i go on the internet i can buy each year ten thousand dollar i bond only one time each year yes i'm wondering seven point twelve did you hear anything like that
3: yes he's correct if you go online you can buy ten thousand dollars a year but what you have to understand that seven point one two percent is not fixed. That's what it currently oh, is fixed. yielding. But that is going to be reset. Okay. It's reset twice a year based on the inflation rate.
4: Uh-huh. So
3: understand that. That this is not seven point one two percent for the life of the bond. This is currently seven point one two percent. Yep. Okay. So, and it's uh, so if inflation year. moderates, that's likely to come down. And you also have to understand these aren't liquid. So you can't go sell them in a month or two. You have to hold them for a long period of time. And if the uh-huh. uh, interest rate comes back down, you might be disappointed with what interest rate that it does pay. So you have to understand that that, that high rate can go both ways.
5: But if the inflation goes higher, then the, the interest should be also higher.
3: Yes, it has correlation to uh, overall inflation. I do think inflation will remain elevated than from what we've seen over the last couple decades. I think it's going to average closer to 4% versus you know 1 to 2%. So 7.12 is probably a bit aggressive I think uh, this will also moderate back down to kind of a 4% uh, return. Understand that and understand how, uh, how illiquid it might be what you might have to give up to to sell it. And if you're okay with that, having a portion of your portfolio in it is not a bad idea.
1: Now, if you have a question about a stock or an IRA, college savings plan, well, maybe buying a house,
3: mortgages, reverse mortgages,
1: we're here for you. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99Chart, 888 99Chart, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
5: Hi, it's Steve or Justin. My name's Eric, and I've been listening to your show for about a year now, and I've really learned a lot. I thank you for that. And I was wondering if. Sometime on the program, you could talk a little bit about SPACs or special purpose acquisition companies. I guess specifically what I'm wondering is how do these compare to like a traditional IPO as far as are they more risky, less risky? And I know you've talked in the past about not investing in an IPO
0: until it's been out for at least six months for the insiders to kind of get out and prices to regulate or whatever. Do you have any kind of general guidelines for companies that become public through the SPAC? Thank you and I'll listen for your answer.
3: Great question. Now SPAC stands for Special Purpose Acquisition Company. What it does is it raises capital, maybe a few billion dollars, and the idea is to go out and buy another company, buy an actual company. The SPAC doesn't have initially any company in it. It's just a, an asset uh, with cash and then they use that cash to go make an acquisition. And oftentimes the price of that SPAC will pop dramatically. And this all has to do, it's financial engineering. They're limiting the supply of shares that are out there, right? Because the owners of that SPAC, owners of the shares typically are closely held. So when the supply of shares are very, very low and they go make an acquisition and he wants to buy into that acquisition, they're chasing after a very select few number of shares. And that really explodes the value of that SPAC. So, you know, if you want to play that that game, that the financial engineering game that a SPAC does, uh, then that's that, that's fine. Um, but it's also very risky. They might make a poor acquisition. They may not keep as many shares held to the vest as they had hoped. Uh, there are a lot of risks to it. Uh, but it's definitely not an investment vehicle, it's a speculative vehicle only.
0: Our Invest Talk mission is to help you make better investing decisions. To do that on your own. Thumbs up or thumbs down choices based on good solid investing principles. But we need your questions to keep us on track. 888-99 chart or click on contact Steve or contact Justin on Investtalk.com.
5: Hello Steve and Justin. This is Jay Clark calling from Chicago again. Just had a question about commodities in general. You see the gold mini shares, you see the gold direction the three times leverage, you know, all type of different types of commodity holdings. Just wanted you to explain, you know, the differences between those
3: different type of commodity holdings and what they mean to us as investors. i um, hope to hear it on the show. Thank you. All right. Well, commodities can be broken up in a lot of different ways. You have your energy commodities, right your oil, coal, natural gas, you have your soft commodities, you're talking about sugar, grain, corn, etc. You also have your precious metal commodities, your gold, your silver, your platinum, etc. So they all have very different use cases, very different properties and they act very different in their price action in the marketplace. When you have a tough economic environment like right now, you're going to see the energy commodities do much worse and the precious metal commodities do much better. Now, you can invest in ETFs that track particular prices of those different commodities or a basket of commodities. That's one way to gain access. You can also own the individual companies who mine, produce those type of commodities. right? Or you can buy an ETF that owns a lot of the companies and you get broad diversification, like a GDX owns a bunch of gold miners, or you can invest in ETFs that are leveraged and then that is a speculative vehicle of, to, to help capitalize on the movement of the underlying commodity or the shares of the companies who produce that underlying commodity. So all of them have different risk factors. Uh, I think the, the lowest risk is gonna be the actual commodity. Because it's a direct link. A little bit higher risk would be investing in directly in the companies that produce them. There's a little more leverage typically to those prices, right? Where gold miners, for example, typically have a two and a half to three times the overall volatility of gold prices. So if gold prices do well, you're probably going to do much better in individual gold mining names, but you have to pick the right ones as well. So if you don't have the expertise to understand which ones to pick, then you want to buy an overall ETF and you get broad diversification. If you have a very strong conviction, you could buy a leveraged ETF to the shares or the underlying gold price or commodity price, whatever you're looking at, and use it as a trade, but you wouldn't want to own those and hold them long term. Hope that helps. Before we go, you can
1: see more about today's topic. Go to investtalk.com. If you want to contact me directly, easy. Leave a message in the machine or go to investtalk.com. I'm Money Manager Steve Peasley, and I want to thank you for listening.
0: Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically.